0: On this episode of This Week in Linux, we've got a ton of cool news to talk about. We've got app news from CadenLive Video Editor, to WordPress website platform, to Nextcloud's desktop client now has end-to-end encryption. And later in the show, we're going to cover a terminal-based file manager called NNN. Yes, three Ns. We'll get to that. We've also got some really fun distro news with two hacking, aka penetration testing distros, in Kali Linux and Parrot OS we have also been going to follow up on the KDE edition of the MX Linux because the stable release of that distribution is now out. Later in the show, we're going to discuss Valve's Proton because it's been two years since the release of the project and just so much has happened thanks to this project since then that I, I have to talk about it. All that and so much more coming up on your weekly source for Linux good news. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 114 of This Week in Linux, a weekly Linux news podcast, a part of the Destination Linux Network. I'm Michael Tanell, and if you're new to the show, then this is the show that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world. And I'll give you my take on the latest topics using my over 20 years experience as a Linux user. Before we get started with the show, I want to give you a little bit of housekeeping because this is a, a, a quick reminder that the DLN Game Fest is happening this Sunday, August 30th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Go to DestinationLinux.network slash Game Fest to get a time zone converted thing about it and also a list of the games and all that stuff. Links in the show notes for that. So if you are interested in gaming or you just want to come and hang out with us, feel free to do that because it's going to be an awesome time, August 30th this Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Link in the show notes. And if you want some more awesome podcasts from me, then you need to check out Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts because these are both podcasts that I'm a part of. Destination Linux is an awesome, fun podcast A conversational podcast with me and my friends Ryan and Noah. And then also Hardware Addicts is a great podcast for those who are enthusiasts for hardware or just interested in hardware anyway. Like maybe you're not an enthusiast, but you want to learn about hardware. That's actually where I sit because I'm not really a hardware enthusiast. I'm more of a person who wants to be a hardware enthusiast. So I am I kind of fill that role in the show. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check it out. I'll have links to both Destination Linux and Hardware Addicts in the show notes below. And you can even follow me on Twitter or Mastodon to get up to date on various different things, whether to the network, to the show, the channel, and all sorts of stuff, and just random things that I want to talk about as well. So if you want to do that, I'll have links to my Twitter and Mastodon also in the show notes below. Up first in the show, we're going to talk about some self-hosted software and we're talking about WordPress. So WordPress is a way to build your own website and do it in a fairly easy way. You set up your own server, which is not that easy, but you then you put your WordPress on. Okay, the term easy is relative. So WordPress is a really good platform for a variety of reasons, but its biggest problems are the update mechanism is not ideal. The latest version of 5.5 pretty much fixes all that. So I am super excited. We're going to talk about that. If you are interested in self hosted software, let me know in the comments below because I will add more to it in the future. It's not really the most common thing that people would want to do. So I'm not sure how many people are actually interested in it. So if you are, please let me know in the comments below. So if you're not familiar, I am not only a podcaster and a YouTuber, but I also am a website designer and a marketer. So I deal with WordPress and I have dealt with WordPress for over a decade. And that's also true with most of the other platforms that build websites like Joomla and Drupal and Ghost and Hugo. I mean, not all of that time because they didn't all exist for that whole time, but, you know, a lot of time anyway. So WordPress 5.5 has been released, and it has been focusing on security, search, and speed improvements. And these are all massively important things that we've been asking for for a very long time as developers. So I am super happy that they have actually implemented things that are just fantastic, which is auto-updates for plugins, to be specific. If you're not familiar, WordPress is a platform that is mostly a blog-based platform, but it's so popular that it's also used for variety of different websites. But the biggest issue is that it, in order to do those different websites, you need plugins. And plugins are great, but they also create an it's like an additional complex complexity that you don't really want to deal with when you're doing updates. So you gotta update the system, then you gotta update your theme, then you gotta update the plugins, and it's just, it's a lot. Well, this latest release of 5.5 has solved a lot of those headaches by creating auto-updates for plugins and themes, which is fantastic because WordPress already had auto-updates, but you couldn't auto-update the platform because you need your plugins and your themes to also auto-update, so it kind of blocks that. This way, you have the ability to do all three of those important pieces all at the same time, provided that you're using plugins that you can trust in terms of like stability and things like that. So WordPress introduced a system where it has cron jobs that will that pr- uh, will check for plugin updates twice a day but they only run if a website has a visit in, the, in that day so it's not going to be like if your website doesn't have the traffic it's not going to force the update er- regardless uh, so uh, that's kind of a weird decision but at the same time I guess it sort of makes sense so it kind of like lowers the load or whatever but in general Uh, It's a very cool thing. that They're doing auto updates Uh, plugins though may break your site when you do updates So you want to make sure that when you do a compatibility You want to update something that is not going to break your system, of course, and Well, there's really no way to tell that it's mostly a trust-based thing, but based on the, the popularity of WordPress There's a lot of plugin developers that have been around for a very long time and they're pretty sound in terms of making sure they have compatibility so you don't want to go in and your on your plugins and auto you know auto set up all the updates just go regardless you want to make sure the ones that you actually set to auto update are ones that you are completely comfortable with that are more than likely going to be fine. Like for example, if you have something like Gutenberg, which is a plugin made by the same people who make WordPress, you're pretty much fine. So feel free to go ahead and set that for auto updates. But this is just a really cool thing that they added because it has been a very, very very important thing that has been asked for for a very long time. So I'm super happy that they've added it. And another thing that they did was add lazy loading images, which means that it's going to load images only when the visitor scrolls to the section that has the video the images to show so this is really good because if you're on a phone and you have mobile data and you go to load a website it's not going to try to load all of the content underneath the screen it's only going to start loading that content when you scroll to get to it which is great for making it not use data for when it doesn't need it so that's Fantastic, and good job on WordPress for doing that. They also made some really good improvements to search by creating auto-generated XML sitemaps that increases search engine readability discoverability and ranking and all that stuff. So that's really cool. So they got improvements to security through the updates for plugins and themes on automatic structures, which is fantastic. The lazy loading of images, which is also fantastic for saving data or data connections and data, ma- uh, data allotments. There we go, allotments. And also it's great for having this automatic generated XML sitemap, which is, you know, more improvements that we've been asking for for a long time, but they're here and I'm excited about that. Up next in the show is CadenLive 20.08 has been released. I told you we're going to talk about it last week and here it is. So CadenLive is a video editor that I have been using for a very long time, and I am a huge fan of this editor. There are so many cool things about it and the fact that you can also build your own custom workflow inside of it that modifies the way the interface looks and also like you can do scripting and stuff like that to do automation and tons of stuff. CadenLive is awesome. But They've actually made it even more awesome with this latest release because this is a big release. Uh, So CadenLive has introduced a new thing called layouts. So CadenLive team now also calls them workspaces, but essentially they're layouts. It allows you to tailor the UI to the workflow that you want to do. So they have a bunch of uh, like five that are actually pre-made layouts, but you you still could create your own if you want to as well. And a cool thing about it is that you can store these in it so you can switch back and forth to your custom if you want to do that. So the types are logging, editing, audio effects, color so with logging it allows you to review your footage easily and mark things that you want to keep and delete and stuff like that editing is the composing on the time on the timeline which is basically the normal way of using Kdenlive in the past audio it changes the layouts to give you more adjustments for sounds for mixing and all kinds of stuff like that effects makes it elect- makes it easier to find and add and apply or edit Uh, video effects and that sort of stuff and then there's color grading which is really cool because it makes it more obvious about how you can do like spectrogram and a bunch of other stuff for color grading of your video which is just really really cool they've also improved the multi audio stream support initial step in implementing an advanced audio workflow by adding multiple audio streams that you can edit and they've also done some other changes like zoom bars on effects panels, making adjusting keyframes easier. They've done uh, the clip clip monitor updates, also gets zoom bars improvements, also like seeking when dragging, new layout rulers, improved overlay sizes and a bunch more. So I am a huge fan of Live. They've done so much work, like every single release. There is just a lot of stuff to get excited about. And this one is no nothing different. There's I mean, I mean, that's a weird thing to say. There's a lot of stuff different. It's no different from the previous making it exciting. You know what? Let's just move on because that was a weird thing to say, and I don't know how to save it. So let's just go back to what's happening in Caden' Live. So there's a new cache management interface, allows you to maintain and control the size of your cached and proxy files, as well as backed up data, which is awesome. A handful of new keyboard shortcuts have been added, making it easier and to navigate and make it a lot faster and stuff like that. They've added some more Luma transitions. Uh, They've actually done some improvements to the project bin. They've actually improved like the color layout of the audio thumbnails to make it easier and cleaner to view the different the differences and like the complexity of the waveforms and stuff like that. So, so many cool things, including performance boost to audio thumbnail generation and making it faster to do uh, j- as j- to do audio th- sequencing and also uh, JPEG image sequence playback. Which, if you're not familiar, a JPEG image sequence is if you have multiple JPEGs and you combine them together to make a video. Well, it's not really a video at the time until you render it, but you you know what I'm saying. Caden Live is fantastic. I I could just go on for a very long time and maybe I should make a video specifically about Caden Live and why I love it. And yeah. Maybe I should. Let me know in the comments below if you think I should. Up next in the show, System76 has launched the Binobo WS Linux laptop. This is a beast of a laptop, both in the size of performance that you get and the size of the laptop. We'll get to that in a bit. But it has desktop caliber components, and they said that they made a desktop with Intel i9-10900K CPU and NVIDIA RTX 2080 Super GPU and then decided, you know what, let's put it in a laptop. (laughs) So... Uh, that's basically what happened here. So let's talk about what's in this laptop. So we're talking about the specs first, and then we'll go back to some more stuff. But uh, first up, we got the CPU, which is the 10th gen Intel Comet Lake desktop processors, and it has three options: the i5, uh, the Core i5 10600K, the Core i7 10700K, and the Core i9 10900K. And they just roll off the tongue. That is just a smooth name. Good job, Intel. That's sarcasm. For those who can't detect that and to be clear it's weird in addition to it being a terrible name it's the i9 10 900k the i7 10 700k and the i5 600k they couldn't even get that consistently right they still like it's. i will not go on that tangent so the Other things that we're talking about is the display options. They have two different options you can get. You can get a 1080p HD matte 144Hz refresh rate. Also a 4K UHD matte if you want to get that. Other thing they have is three different GPU options from NVIDIA. They have the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 20 series, the 2060, the 2070 Super, and the 2080 Super. Now, the, the difference between these, I don't really know that much because I'm not a hardware person. If you'd like to learn more about hardware, you need to check out Hardware Addicts and listen to it on HardwareAddicts.org. It's a fantastic podcast because you can learn so much about CPUs, GPUs, SSDs, NVMEs, uh, even cameras because we have Camera Corner with Wendy and it's just fantastic. So check that out. And also on this laptop, you can get the like RAM that's ridiculous. You can get up to 128 gigabytes of 3200 megahertz quad channel DDR4 memory. Crazy. And the storage is also crazy. You can get up to 26 terabytes in total. There's three NVMe M.2 slots, uh, two PCIe slash SATA and one PCIe slot. Uh, in that's a part of the NVMe stuff. Then they also have another SATA drive or SATA, SATA storage port that you could put into a, like a non-NVME storage. And they also have expansion uh, options for Thunderbolt, which is fantastic. So it's got a USB Type-C, 3. Dot, uh, USB 3.2 gen with Thunderbolt 3, and it also has three USB 3.2 that's USB type A, which is the normal USB that you would expect to see. Uh, it also has a micro, micro SD card reader, multi-touch uh, touchpad, RGB per key keyboard, gigabit Ethernet, which is a, I mean, great on a laptop. And once you see the thickness of how big this laptop is, you wouldn't be surprised that an Ethernet would fit. <laughs> so it's really, really cool. It also has uh, HDMI uh, video ports, uh, mini DisplayPort, and also full DisplayPort as an option through the Type-C. So it's technically not, a, I'm that's a weird way to say it. It's not a display port in terms of like the display port connector. It's a display port over type USB type C. So that's more accurate. Anyway, so when I made a joke about the whole size of performance, you can tell that it is a beast of specs and stuff like that. But also it's like 8.3 pounds. And so it's a beast in itself. And just but it's also a desktop replacement. So it's not going to be possible to make a super thin laptop that is also possible to be a desktop replacement and that's why it's like this so if you want to check out this laptop go to the show notes and you have a link to it to check out the uh, all the different specs and see if you want to uh, you know go through the process and see if this will be a good fit for you you'll find a link to it in the show notes below This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and just so much more. You can get access to all of this, plus their world-class customer support for as low as $5 per month. Also, DigitalOcean has over 2,000 cloud-agnostic tutorials to help you stay up to date with the latest open-source software, languages, and frameworks. And these cloud-agnostic tutorials mean you You don't have to use DigitalOcean in order to get value from these tutorials, and you don't even have to use cloud stuff to get value from these tutorials. There's a lot of great content on there, so check it out. And you can get started on DigitalOcean for free with a $100 credit. By going to do.co DLN. Again, that's right. You get a $100 credit that you can use for two months for free by going to do.co DLN. You can use that to spin up a bunch of $5 droplets or just a couple monster droplets for two months if you want to, just to check it out and see how much you can do with a DigitalOcean droplet. It is fantastic. We do so much with this show using DigitalOcean as well as the network in general. Like it's just a fantastic service and you want to get started, go to do.co slash DLN and get that $100 free credit right now. Thanks again to DigitalOcean for sponsoring This Week in Linux. Up next in the show is Kali Linux 2020.3. This is the first of the three distros we're going to talk about and the first hacking distro we're going to talk about. So in the latest release of 2020.3, Kali Linux has done a lot of cool stuff that does some updates to different DE's like KDE Plasma, GNOME, XFCE and stuff like that. But they've also done some really interesting things with the different tools that they've added, as well as what I think is pretty cool is that they've switched to their shell from Bash to ZSH. So it's now included in the installation images and it will replace Bash completely next release the devs are looking for feedback on how people feel about this so if you are a user for Kali Linux let them know about how you like this change or if you don't like this change or whatever that kind of thing so if you are a user or you want to be a user you know let them know about this Uh, those who also want to be are going to be upgrading you'll need to install ZSH manually because by default it doesn't come through the upgrade and uh, ZSS uh, if you're not familiar ZSH supports plugins and themes and auto completion like more like Robust auto completion. It also has spell checking and a bunch of other cool stuff. ZSH is pretty cool. Now, this is an interesting topic because not only is it a really interesting thing that, that Kali Linux did this, but also Mac OS did this. They switched from bash to ZSH on the last version of Mac OS. So it's, it's very interesting that on these two different issues on a completely different side of the spectrum are switching to this particular shell. And also there's an argument about like, is this the better shell to switch to? versus something like fish i don't know well actually if you want to learn more about that be sure to check out the next episode coming out for destination linux episode 188 where we talk about exactly this topic zsh versus bash versus fish on the next episode so be sure to check that out i have a link in the show notes below And also there's a bunch of other stuff, like there's some improvements to ARM devices because they reduced the size for all ARM images. They've actually made support for uh, SD cards and EMMC storage for the Pinebook Pros. So you can use the Kali Linux on Pinebook Pros. They've also improved the first boot speed. They've added some more support for 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz channels for networking and a bunch of other stuff, including a Win, Winkex, which is WSL version of Kali Linux. That's very interesting. Not sure how valuable that is to have something that is supposed to be hacking Windows sitting inside of a Windows-esque thing. I don't know. It is pretty interesting. And if you want to learn more, I'll have a link to the latest release of Kali Linux 2020.3 in the show notes below. Up next in the show is the latest release of Parrot OS 4.10, which is the other uh, penetration testing or hacking distribution. And when I say hacking, that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. It can be used for good purposes. Also, of course, it can be used for bad purposes, but it's mostly, it's built and created for the purpose of helping people make sure that their networks are secure and their systems secure and stuff like that. That's what the purpose of both Kali Linux and Parrot OS is for. Anyway, moving on. There's This is a massive update inside of Parrot OS 4.10, and it seems like a small update for the, you know, it's a point release, but version numbers in Linux and open source and, well, software in general usually doesn't make any sense, so there you go. Uh, but this is a massive update for, for numerous new features, updated hacking tools, and a new XFCE edition. This also accompanies their other additions, like the, the flagship MATE edition and the KDE Plasma flavor. So you have three additions now. And this latest update gives it to the Linux kernel 5.7. They've also done an update to a non surf 3.0, which adds reliability and stability improvements. They've also done an update to Metasploit up to 6.0, and this version will, just a quick note for those who are familiar with Parrot and are using Parrot, this version will break retro compatibility with previous versions, so keep that in mind. But this is a massive update to Metasploit because it introduces end-to-end encryption and meterpreter communications. It also adds SMB uh, V3 client support and improves the evasive functionality through the implementation of polymorphic payload generation routine. I don't know what that means, but that's what they say. It's what it's doing. So there you go. <laughs> anyway, Parrot OS is a really cool distribution for hacking because of two reasons. One, it's just good. It's just cool. Like hacking distributions are cool in general. But at the same time, it's a really nice looking distribution. It's very nice. It's They also have a home edition in a, in, in, as well as the the hacking edition, so you can use the home edition as your main distribution and also have the hacking one available to you whenever you need it to be, which is a very important thing because a lot of people use these distributions for their main daily driver and unless you're a professional hacker, you should not be doing that because there's a lot of security possibility issues when doing that with these these different distros because the purpose of these distros is to not really to keep you protected a lot of people think that because they're hacking tools that they're somehow more protected than others and that's not the case because they actually open up certain things to make it make some of the applications and some of the tools work better so you shouldn't use it as your daily driver and you shouldn't use Kali linux as your daily driver or anything else that's based on hacking but it is pretty cool that parrot has a home edition so you can use that as your pet daily driver if you want to So that's pretty interesting. If you'd like to learn more about Parrot OS and as well as Kali Linux, I have links to both of those in the show notes below. Up next in the show is some really, really interesting news and some really cool news for people who use Nextcloud because the Nextcloud desktop client gets end-to-end encryption. This is a, this. Probably one of the most requested features for Nextcloud ever, which is really cool that they've added it. So this new interface for the desktop makes uh, Talk and other apps on the Next Cl- the Nextcloud server easier to access for desktop users. The new interface with a deeper integration of Nextcloud Hub and the desktop experience for users. System tray icon popups, a new menu shows list of events on the server uh, and uh, top user account information and also uh, links to files and talk and a bunch of other stuff. Just a lot of improvements. Also in the file manager, a right click on a document now gives the option to edit directly in the online office document editor editor in Nextcloud, which is really nice. It is an improvement to the convenience. And of course, the enterprise ready end to end encryption is what this is. Very, very, very cool. Uh, This is basically the first vendor to offer an enterprise grade into an encryption solution designed with file sync and sharing in mind, they say. Supported in the latest releases of our Android and iOS file clients as well as the desktop client version 3. They they say that the desktop client and mobile clients offer a per uh, per folder compatibility to enable location encryption whereby all files as well as their names and metadata are securely encrypted. They also say that the advanced key handling with cryptographic identity protection in the form of server signed certificates facilitates easily adding new devices. They say also in a future release that the scheme will allow for secure, secure into an encrypted sharing with other users. So they don't have the sharing yet, but this is the the, fir- the first edition of Nextcloud to have an encrypted that has been people have been wanting that for a long time. So, you know, you already self host the, so- the software and you already have the servers on your stuff. But at the same time, just in case someone gets in your server, it can now be encrypted. So they'd have even more barriers to get to your data, which is fantastic. So uh, I'm a big fan of Nextcloud. I've been using it for a very long time in terms of like overall file syncing, but I also recently with like a few months or so, I don't even know how long it's been. It's not been that long, maybe a couple months, whatever. I started like really embracing Nextcloud and like the calendar and the tasks and the they have this really cool plugin called Deck, which is sort of like Kanban board. If you're not familiar, Kanban is like, it's like a Trello board system built into Nextcloud. Very, very cool. If you don't know what Trello is, well, I don't really know how to describe it without the Kanban term because that's the real term for what that method is. So yeah, I'll just have a link to what that is in the show notes below if you want to find out more. But yeah, this is really, really cool. I think this is a fantastic thing. And they have also done some improvements that's something that I really, really like and appreciate. However, I know it's not that important, but for me, kind of is. And that they have done improvements to the dark theme, dark mode, which is just fantastic, because I prefer dark mode on pretty much everything. And there's a couple weird funkiness of Nextcloud on the previous edition. So I'm really happy to see that they improve that. So yeah, if you'd like to check it out, Nextcloud latest edition with a desktop client, I'll have a link in the show notes below. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the open source password manager that I use and trust and you can go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free and be sure to go to bitwarden.com slash DLN because that lets them know that you came from this show and that you appreciate them sponsoring this show and the network. If you're not familiar with password managers, this is a great way to have a balance of security and convenience because you need to have a different password for every single account on every single website you go to that you create accounts on because if you reuse passwords, the more and more you reuse use the password the less and less secure those passwords are so you don't want to reuse any passwords but that becomes a giant nightmare of how to keep up with them how to create them and all that well Bitwarden solves all of that for you and it does it with open source software that's right, so you get a password generator, you get a password vault, you get auto-filling of passwords. They work. It works on mobile, desktop, browser plugins, and even the command line. So much awesome stuff. And like I said, it's an open source software. You can even self-host the server. That's how amazing Bitwarden is. But you don't really have to self-host the server because of the security system of Bitwarden is fantastic and does it locally on your computer. So you don't have to worry about whether you should trust them enough to self-host it or not, because you can easily trust them because the the way they structure their security is that it's all on your computer before it even gets to them. So that's a fantastic approach, and I love it. And in addition to that, they even do security audits. That So they ha- they hire third-party firms that will check the security to make sure it is up to par and it's the best it can be, which is just amazing. And they don't just go out and get one security audit. They go and get a bunch of them just to make sure that it is the best they can get, which is awesome. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Bitwarden. And if you want to do move, make the smart move like many from the community have, then go to bitwarden.com slash in to get started with your free account but if you're like me though you'd want to show your appreciation by getting the premium edition especially since the premium edition starts at only ten dollars per year that's right ten dollars per year you get a gigabyte encrypted file storage two-step login with yubikey duo u2f vault health reports a temporary one-time password authenticator storage and generation and so much more including priority customer support and a bunch more And you just need to go check it out. And if you're like me, you want to show your appreciation by getting that premium account because it's just a fantastic piece of software and I think you'll love it. And thanks again to Bitwarden for sponsoring This Week in Linux and the Destination Linux Network. Up next in the show is a topic that I am just super excited to talk about, and that is Proton is now two years old. It is the second anniversary of Proton, and if you're not familiar, Proton is a compatibility layer for gaming built by Code Weavers with funding from Valve. It's a fork of wine, and it does a lot of cool stuff. It made it possible for thousands of games to be playable on Linux, and it is just, it's just amazing work. Thank you so much, Proton team, for doing this. It is fantastic. But first of all, let's just talk about what Proton is. So it's a compatibility layer that allows you to run Windows games on Linux. It essentially like converts the API calls from the Windows-specific API calls and makes it work on the Linux API calls through Vulkan and stuff like that. It's very... Very awesome. It's not just gaming though. It also works on Windows software. It's not m- meant to work on Linux soft- or Windows software, but it can because of how it's built. And because it's open source, people have used it for other things. And in, in addition, it's also made it possible for other pro- uh, compatibility layers to be built, like Boxtron, which is a ability to run DOSBox titles on Steam thanks to that layer, which is very, very cool. What's really th- amazing is that The difference between before we had Proton, early 2018, 2017, we had hundreds of games available to Linux users. That number has just catapulted thanks to Proton, and it is just amazing what it's done. Now, it doesn't mean that all the games work perfectly because there's different ratings. There's a bronze, silver, gold, platinum... There's different levels of like the compatibility like obviously platinum would be the highest level. There's also a thing called whitelisting. Whitelisting means that Valve themselves are supporting it. So there's not a lot of those, but there are a f- quite a few, but there's just not it's not the majority of course. But it's really Really awesome. I love the I love the, the team at Code Weavers and and Valve and Wine creating this plat- compatibility layer because I'm I, be able to play games I never expected to play, like Grand Theft Auto and stuff like that is available to me thanks to Proton, which is just it's just awesome. And at this point, I'm more surprised when something doesn't work on Proton than when it does, and that is the testament to the amazing work that this team has made. So. It's been like basically last year when it was only a year old, we were talking about it on this show and talking about how it's over 6,000 games were working through Proton on Linux, which is amazing. And now that number has jumped to over 11,400 games, almost doubled since then in a year. That is just epic. Not Epic Games because Epic Games sucks and they're a terrible company, uh, especially considering they uh, bought Easy Anti-Cheat. And one of the reasons most games don't the games that don't work is through the anti-cheat tools like Easy Anti-Cheat uh, not working through Proton because Epic Games is a terrible company in my opinion. But even with that problem, it's still over eleven thousand games that work on Linux thanks to Proton. So I just wanted to say. Happy birthday to the Proton team and to the project, and I appreciate all the work you're doing. It's fantastic because in addition to just being able to play the games, it also makes it easier for people to transition from Windows because if there's a game on their system and Windows that they really don't want to lose, Proton makes it possible so they don't. And that is fantastic. So thanks again, Valve, Code Weavers, and Wine for making Proton up next in the show is the latest release from mx linux 19.2 and that is the kde edition this is really cool we there's not that much difference from the latest talk we talked about in the previous episode it's just this is now no longer a beta this is a full uh, stable release and it's thanks to their hardware advanced support edition or the has branch that has uh, 64-bit only it's live bootable and all that stuff but it has the, the only thing that i want to give you a little bit of a caution, like. I'm a huge fan of MX Linux. They do a lot of cool stuff. But the problem with MX Linux and KDE is that, they I think this is the main reason they never made one, but KDE Plasma updates so fast. Debian doesn't, and MX Linux is based on Debian. So the latest version available to the MX Linux team is 5.14.5, and we're currently on 5.19. Well, actually, I think it's 519.3. So there's a there's a big difference between the two. So if you need the latest and greatest version of Plasma, maybe MX Linux is not for you. But if you prefer the Debian-based platform and you want to have a good, well-built, well-maintained Plasma edition, because the one in stable Debian is even older than that, just so you know, but it, this is a great option for that. So if you really want to have an MX Linux Uh, you know, I really like polished Debian experience, but also want to have KDE Plasma for it, then check out MX Linux 19.2 KDE edition. And there you go. Links in the show notes. Next in the show, we're going to talk about a terminal file manager called NNN. I don't know what it actually stands for, but NNN or N3 or n cubed or whatever, is a full featured terminal file manager. It's very, very fast and lightweight, naturally, because it's in the terminal, but it also looks pretty nice, too. So uh, basically, the developer says that he's developing it actively for more than three years. One of the major design goals is not to scare off terminal newbies, so it's deceptively simple to begin with and unfolds as you your needs evolve, which is a really, really interesting thing. Also, when asked how it compared to Midnight Commander, for example, they he said that one of the main reasons I chose to write a new file manager was Midnight Commander is highly menu driven. It literally shows pop up menus for every option so he didn't like that and if you're not a fan of that then maybe you want to check it out so what the features it has is just a lot for a a terminal file manager it has analyzed disk usage option it can do batch renames it ability to launch uh to launch apps directly in the file manager. Also, you can pick, sort, filter files. You can mount and unmount disks. You can do uh, list support. You can do find, uh, grep, a bunch of other stuff. You can even do uh, diff, like file directory diff checking, that that kind of thing. As well as a variety of other things. It's very, very interesting. And and I I haven't tr- haven't played with it much. Just a little bit to for like to kind of prep for the show, but. It seems to have a lot of potential, so I'm going to put a little bit more time into it to check it out later, some more going forward, because it seems pretty cool uh, for a terminal file manager if you're interested in that kind of thing. I understand not a lot of people will be, but there you go, if you are and also it has automatic directory selection it remembers context based on what you're doing when you're doing it that kind of thing it also has auto sync selection to the system clipboard it has the ability to write plugins in various different languages it also has custom hotkey commands and even has uh, custom icons with like different color depth like 256 color depth and it's it's a pretty slick thing that the plugins also it has like it has the ability to do plugins that have, like, provide image and file preview directly in the terminal, which is really, really interesting. If you want to learn more about the NNN File Manager, I'll have a link to it in the show notes below. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here in the show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the channel and the show, be sure to go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute. We have multiple ways to contribute via PayPal, Patreon, sponsors, and many others. And by going there and becoming a patron, you're directly helping me finance the creation of this show and so much more on the channel and all that. So if you're interested in helping out, I would very much appreciate it. And in addition to that, you also get a bunch of cool perks. So go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute to find out more. Or you can order the Linux is everywhere t-shirt by going to destinationlinux.network slash store and checking out the awesome stuff there, like the the Linux is everywhere t-shirt, as well as this awesome destination Linux shirt, if you can see it in the video version. If you're not watching the video version, well. Go check it out at the store to see what it looks like. We also have ways to contribute without any cost to you so you can use our affiliate links. You can find links for places like Amazon, Humble Bundle and many, many more by going to TuxDigital.com affiliates. And if you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episode of Destination Linux as I'm my co-host of that show. And there's a bunch of great content for the past couple of weeks. If you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, you definitely need to check it out because Destination Linux is just on a roll and it. it is awesome. And the same thing goes true with hardware addicts you need to check out hardwareaddicts.org as well as destinationlinux.org because both shows are just so awesome and I they are it's a little bit biased because I'm on both shows but at the same time they are awesome so there is that. Thanks again for watching I'm Michael Tanell with the This Week in Linux podcast and as always keep using learning and enjoying Linux. And I'll see you next week for another edition of your weekly source for Linux. Good news.